0: Uh, welcome to Sonic Talk, episode four hundred and thirty-six. Recording today, live, uh, Wednesday the tenth of February, just before Valentine's Day. Well, not just before, but you know, significant, and also the Oscars, which are on the same day, I believe. So that's um, something to look forward to. If either you're expecting a Valentine's card or an Oscar Uh, this is the podcast we talk about all things music technology music production pro audio all that kind of stuff if you're interested in more of that please do subscribe to our YouTube channel Uh, we always welcome you and uh, we've got lots of other videos as well reviews show coverage all of that kind of stuff anyway I'll get on Um, just want to say also thank you very much to our show sponsors uh, UVI with the Falcon hybrid instrument go to bit.ly.com Slash ST Falcon, or in fact, just go to UVI Net, and then you can check out the demo and all of those good things. Anyway, welcome, one and all. Thank you very much for joining us. We've got uh, a couple of people we haven't had for a little while. Uh, we'll start over here with Mr. Dave Spears in his G4 Software Synth Cave, where there seems to be a huge hole just behind him.
1: Oh no, it's
0: gone. Which I'm pretty sure there used to be an OB8. Have you misplaced it? It's gone. Oh no! Oh, you were posting pictures, weren't you, of uh, of of it being recorded and such like?
2: Yeah, it's in a studio in London. Being used, pro- I'm not saying where because it'll get robbed, won't it? Yeah, well, don't say where, but no,
0: has it been put no, to it's good being use? Used,
2: yeah, I I think so. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, we took it up, introduced it to the band, and. Everyone sort of stood around looking at it, talking to each other, but just looking at it like it was, I don't know, either a naked female or a kind of vintage E-type or something. And, uh, and then I showed them how to use it, and they all went and swore profusely at how sexy it sounded. And, yeah, then we walked away after a fashion. So, yeah, I've got the JP8 in there at the minute in the hole. Uh, not as tall because, though is it
0: it's very slimline by comparison looks tiny yeah
2: yeah Do- exactly so it's very uh, but it's nice because i normally use i'll use the eight voice you know once a day so it's kind of nice when it's not around to put something else in there and go right now i'm Going to use this. I'm guessing you've really gotten into the jp You can
0: imagine as those uh, adverts, you know, those adverts where these kind of kitchen utensils and things are all saying, "Oh, it's my turn this time." And uh, now, in the in the little personality that those synths have in their little kind of world that they enter when you leave the room, and they all wake up and talk to each other. Well, could... I
2: have to be honest. <laughs> it's been in the kit. The JP8's been in the kitchen since I picked it up from you, and the missus was like. I think it got to about Christmas time, and she's like, Can I just move it? Can I move it, please? Can we have something other than that? And, and the Oscar was in there as well. So it then went into the downstairs, <laughs> what was the downstairs loo, which is now kind of book room for <laughs> a while synth-, <laughs> synth room. Yeah, and then it came out. It was, uh, yeah, I was like, Yeah, yeah, I've forgotten about that. Anyway, ah. yes. I'm just either.
0: thinking, in, in, if you're putting synthesizers in the loo, you should have a Pro 1, obviously, because it's a 1, and what's a t- something 2? A Pro 2 or <laughs> the, a, an Octave Kitten Mark 2 or Odyssey Mark 2, just so you've got a 1 and a 2 in there. Anyway, that's a the terrible worst, toilet the worst, gag. worst,
2: worst, worst was going to, when you, you know, when we go to Kent's, because he's got so much gear there that he's fixing at any given time, his downstairs loo, it was... <laughs> It was a kind of middle-aged male thing, trying to avoid weighing on the. I think it was a DX one or a DX five. I think it was a DX one and a PPG, and I was quite tempted with the PPG, PPG, but PPG, obviously.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh, toilet humour is the finest thing known to man, Uh, certainly when combined with synthesizers. But anyway, Dave. for uh, jay spears g4 software thank you very much and of course you've got the streetly tapes volume three out i noticed this week we posted a little news oh, yeah. item uh, mm-hmm. you get to plug that at some point in the show but i'm going to introduce somebody else first um robbie Bronneman, robbie Bronneman, still still at uh your secret studio location recording an album we, you've yeah. been you've been off grid for a
1: while
3: oh god we had like three weeks of like BT and in their infinite wisdom decided to turn the internet off and turn it into a phone line only account so then it had to be reset up so that was 2 weeks of no internet and then we had those colossal storms about a week ago which took all the cabling out so then they had to come with a cherry picker and all that stuff this oh, week man. so it's back on but it's it's not back up to its speed it's only on like 3 meg and it'll go up to 6 Woo! but so i wasn't sure whether it was going to sustain this but well, it seems to be all right
0: glad to have you aboard and once again thank you to your client for giving you the time out to uh, to join us i'm guessing all that time that you weren't surfing the internet and talking to your family you can now recoup in sonic talk time
3: <laughs> well yeah exactly yeah i mean yeah exactly it has been good from from a work point of view although today for some reason the heating there's like this crazy biomass heating system here and this decided to go haywire, and now the temperature in here is 27. <laughs> so I've got all the windows open, and I'm like, it's, I'm slowly dying here. It's like, ridiculous. <laughs> it has to be working. And it's now a it's technology meltdown. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. At
0: yeah. least all the gear's working, that's the main thing. Anyway, well, thank you very much for joining us, Robbie. And, of course, so we now have Mr Mark Tinley. Mark Tinley, he of the ever-changing hair. How are you, Mark?
1: It's the same. It's just.
0: How is it? It's, it's just, a it's a flat Mohican. Going... <laughs> if it was a coffee, it would be a flat blue. Look at that! <laughs> wow, no, I'm getting that. That's got a bit of new romance about it.
1: Yeah, I can be a Blitz kid. Well, oh. a Blitz granddad, maybe. <laughs> oh, actually, no, the I'm Blitz not a father. i better not wish that too quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I won't wish that on my daughter or son. They're probably not ready to be father or mother yet. But
0: we've um, uh, we've not I seen can... you since before nam have we mark
1: no we haven't no um but I'd, i i only would have been miserable and and misanthropic if i'd come on and talked about nam because i was expecting this like revelations and overexcitement and everything and i there wasn't that much uh, that really touched me i'm afraid so mm. Sorry. Ah, uh, well, well, we'll, well, well, we'll come. We'll come sorry. on to
0: that in a sec because we've got three new uh, uh, non non nam victims. So, uh, but first, we'll say hello to Mr. <laughs> Rich Hilton, who's there in uh, New England, sunny by the looks of it. Rich, of course, keyboard um, player for Chic and uh, Nile Roger Studio guy. How are you doing, Rich?
4: I'm good, thank you. The uh, morning snow clearing is starting to become a routine. However,
0: oh wow, is it really?
4: Uh, daily in the last couple, anyway.
0: So have you got, uh, like, 18 tons of snow on your roof, that kind of thing, or is it not too bad? No,
4: no, it's been inches at a time, not feet at a time. It's It's not quite like that.
0: But there's probably
4: a good six to eight inches on my table on the back
0: porch. Well... I'm pleased that you're safe and warm, and um, I don't know what other things that the snow brings, but uh, a good reason to stay in, I'd imagine. Yeah, (laughs)
4: Yeah. Happy to be here with you guys.
0: And we're happy to have you too. Thank you very much for joining us. I guess before we get on, I mean, as um, three of the panel weren't uh, around for our post-NAM discussion, we should probably just have a quick whip round and just see what they made of it before we move on to other matters. Mark, I know that uh, you said obviously that you were not all that enamoured and I know your focus is quite often on guitar kind of stuff. Was there anything that kind of floated your boat from what you did see?
1: Well, I mean, I did like the Arturia analogue synth, um, but what really uh, excited me was the Chapman eight-string guitar.
0: Uh, Which I believe...
1: I didn't even know there was such a thing as an eight-string guitar. So and, and and one of the problems well, they I've all got are. I all eight guitar, of them. <laughs> all eight of them, yeah. Oops. But one of the problems I've got when I play the guitar, let's do this slightly differently to that, uh like this. Is if I use a slide, I tune it to two different tunings and one of the tunings is an open G and the other tuning is a drop D. And what I s- suddenly realize is actually I, if I had a seven-string guitar, I could tune the top six strings to... Hang on, let me just get... You got, you, but you could have two... <laughs> to drop D. Two tunings. And, and, that's and, an interesting idea. But then the deeper six strings would be open G but an octave... No, open D but an octave... Oh, well, I don't know. But I, you I, could have... Effectively, you could have both. two
0: tuners. Two tunings on the same guitar. That's an interesting idea.
1: Basically, I can do... I, 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 think of the, I think of those two tunings, it's two different things, and then the, uh, the fingerings for scales and chords are different on those two things. But actually, it's only one string across. So I could put both tunings on the same neck and, and learn to combine those chords and fingerings and cre- it's sort of like, it becomes like dad, gad, but it doesn't end with gad, it ends with blah, blah. <laughs> Which I can't remember off the top of my head, but that's um, an
0: i suppose could you you could string a guitar up to actually if you had an eight string guitar, it's possible that you could actually do two fours couldn't you and have them actually uh, choose your own set of fours, so they wouldn't necessarily all have to be you know thick to thin you could have you know four thins and four thins
1: or four thicks and four thicks, i suppose just i'm just... still consider, yeah I'm still considering it I'm trying to work i mean the way they tune that uh that Chapman guitar is they've gone uh, they've got a a low b below the low e and then they've got a low f sharp i think wow. underneath that so it's almost as deep as a bass guitar but this is for these like grunge metal bands that just want to like do that really heavy kind of gnarly drop tuning thing now i don't want to do that so i'm thinking maybe i could do the 8 if i learn a 7 then maybe i could do the 8 with a with a, an even higher because you can put a high A on a seven string, I think. So maybe I could do that. And then have the, the low end and the high end of what you would do on a on a seven string. Uh and do a sort of a hybrid. But oh, I did try oh, I went to the sorry. local guitar shop and tried one out and it's uh it's it's it feels really manly actually. <laughs> the neck's really wide. So it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa this is good. Actually, well,
0: that sounds like fun. I mean, it sounds like a, a lot of technique would have to be relearned there, but I, I guess you know it's going to be worth it because I mean, I think that's the thing that uh, that daunts all of us. Perhaps is that the not the, the knowledge of having to kind of learn new workflows on new instruments and stuff. But uh, speaking of which, um, Robbie, obviously that Mister Seaboard, the forty nine. Have you got a forty nine yet? The Seaboard Rise was uh, there at Nam, wasn't it?
3: Uh, I predicted that was going to happen because I I thought they're not going to do any other size because it will encroach on the the full size you know grand ones. So I thought four's the the logical size and I'm very tempted by getting a four, but I'm I'm getting on great with my two octave one here and um you, with the octave buttons you can you can get around quite easily. Yeah, I can so imagine. I, I just don't know whether I, I I it's it's high on my list. If I hadn't have bought the two octave, I might have just gone straight for a poor octave one.
0: So uh, other so, other matters of of NAM, anything yeah. there particularly take your fancy?
3: Well, oh, I mean, seeing as I've now got the P6 desktop module, which I, I'm loving, which is great, which kind of filled my I want one quality analog poly that doesn't take up sort of OB8 or you know big size. Um, I'm I was kind of seduced by the the you know the OB6. Yeah. By Dave Smith and knowing that looking at the form factor, which is exactly like the P6, it will only be a matter of time before there's a desktop version of it. And it would go lovely as a sort of companion to my P6.
0: Ah, (laughs) I can see you're starting to.
3: Yeah, but, you know, other than that, I mean, I like the Arturia thing as well. I don't think I could afford the space for a, for a mono like that. So it's not it's not a
0: financial like constraint; it's a space constraint. That's an interesting yeah, way of looking just, at things. Yeah,
3: it's just having all this stuff piling up. But no, I mean, I tell you what I've been loving is the new Melodyne Four. Yeah. That, that is that was I mean it came out just before now, but to me that was one of the most exciting things because so much great new stuff in it. Um, that you Why can do. should I and buy it? Why? What does
1: it do? Yeah.
3: Well, it locks I mean, I've got Melodyne,
1: but why should I upgrade to four?
3: What does it do? Oh, it's, it's, it's so numerous. It, it, it does all this sort of clever stuff with, you know, with, with, with changing tempos in real time, you know, stretch tempos, which is fantastic. And also it locks to the grid with tempos and stuff much more elegantly than it did before. So it's
0: a, it's a very worthy upgrade. Well, one thing that I would say, I was talking to Gaz about this actually the other day, and he's really excited about the, the tonal shaping, the sound shaping, because he said, not only can you change the spectrum of the sound, you can change the amplitude. So you can use it like a, a sort of dynamic EQ stroke compressor, Which is very musical to what you put into it. So if you he's he's thinking about doing an experiment where he mixes an entire multi-track using it for EQ and dynamics on each one, just to see how it all fits uh, and whether or not it kind of presents a a different kind of sound. And he's really excited about that. So you should talk to Gaz about it, Mark, because he was really quite um, quite buzzing about about that. And I think uh, when I spoke to the guy there, I forget his name now, he was saying that the uh, DSP footprint is actually not all that much more. I mean, it gets more when you're doing some of the uh, like the, the, the polyphonic um, algorithm stuff, but when you're just using it to kind of do basic stuff, it, the DSP footprint is no greater than Melodyne 3, which is, uh, of course, saying something. So that's quite an interesting concept. What
1: about the latency? Have they improved the latency? Because that's one thing that...
0: Uh, it tends I'm, to put
1: me off using it.
0: I don't know I, why. Would, it,
1: what it always tells me. It always tells me to increase the latency on my sound card when I load that as a
3: plugin. Never done. I never seen that. Mine. Never ever, seen that.
0: Been, maybe you just no, need. You just need yeah, more no. power, Mark. That's what it is.
3: Oh, but that's
1: oh, use got the loads Mac. of power.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's the, oh, kind,
1: power. It's, the ki- it's the wrong
0: kind of power.
1: It's the wrong kind. the wrong kind of power. Yeah, maybe it's an i7, but it it's a. Uh, I've got a a Mac mini with an i7 something in it. Yeah, that should be reasonably
0: what. good. Anyway, I yeah, mean, it's so,
1: fast. Good. So, so Dave,
0: what? how about yourself then? anything? I mean, you were, you were there, you were, you were saying an email about the whole uh, fact that, you know, you beat, you went for 16 or 17 years or however many years it was. And there was never a more synthy NAM than this year, which is probably the one year you, you would have gone if you'd had the choice to trade them all for one.
2: Yeah, certainly analog wise. I mean, I think, the only significant, I think I started in about 92, 93, and there were some summer nams in there, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's like 18 to 20 nams in total. Wow. And we only kind of stopped going because we stopped selling into retail. In fact, it's probably, if I was being completely honest, it's probably like 18 years of trying to brown-nose guitar centre <laughs> so that you get in there so they can abuse all of your serial numbers and stock, and then you realise that you spent 18 years wasting your time. So, yes, now we're selling to Sweetwater, who are utterly, <laughs> utterly brilliant. Allegedly. And, well, uh, yeah, well, anyway. not even allegedly. But, um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, I was kind of there, obviously, on a mission. And I was always running around seeing what synthy stuff. And, I mean, sometimes, you know, some in the kind of mid-90s, there was some pretty exciting digital stuff. And then, of course, I think the only thing that really happened was the Voyager. And then, of course, we stop going, and then this one happens, and I'm like, oh, like that, like that, like that. I think the OB6 is the thing that, that seems love.
0: to be the uh, that seems to be the one that has got
2: everybody here with the
0: love of analog poly excited
2: yeah and there's a really brilliant demo uh i sent, but it's very mellow you know it's not this kind of full-on in your face right. since distortion nut case it's just it's using a looper thing and it's just really yeah. nice and it's very cs like and it's really expressive and that kind of sold it to me and the fact that you know Tom and Dave seem such nice people. And... Yeah,
0: I met Tom. I had a photo taken with him. And the guy who took the photo was Roger Lynn. So I felt like I had the kind of, you know, <laughs> had a pretty, good, pretty, a pretty good pedigree there.
2: I mean, the one thing I will say is that I did have a phone call from uh, a reasonably high-profile artist who saw all, all the analogue stuff being released at NAM and suddenly went, you know what? Analogue is old school. It's passé now. It's no longer cool. The cool stuff will be actually that little Volker keys, you know, the FM thing. That was really neat. I quite like to try out that Yamaha. What's it called? Uh, Montage. Montage. Montague. <laughs> who was this yeah. that said this? But, who said this? But I'm not. I'm not saying who it was. Oh, you can't it's... say. No, he's been I think sort he's of right
1: personally. Guru,
2: and he just went, look, it used to be niche, and it used to be for the cool kids, and now everybody's piled yeah. on the bandwagon, and it's no longer cool, and. I looked around and I know. went, I am no longer cool. Not that I ever was in the first place. Well, you're <laughs> even
0: less cool now, Dave. Well, not in my but eyes.
2: S- seriously, I think that, man, and that was so funny. Didn't you get so much uh, grief over that mini log thing? That was quite entertaining. Uh, but that was that must have been sort of star of the show and I've heard some amazing sounds come out of
0: that uh, Dan yeah, yeah oh, oh, well one just arrived today it's over there in the corner it arrived oh. like an hour before the show and I didn't have time to set it up or anything but I, I will be doing the review so stay tuned if you, uh, if you want yes Mark he did an
1: amazing Yes, oh, so. I'm just yes, so- going to say I just want to say there's nothing uncool about analogue. What's uncool about analogue at the moment is that they just keep on bringing loads of new synths out that sound like all the old ones, and it's just like, why? Can't we just stop doing that? We've got all these old analogue synths that are brilliant. Why do we need all these ones that sound the same? It's very interesting. At least... least you know, a few new features. Or it's something. interesting.
0: It's interesting. I don't know what you think about. It. I had a visit oh, from Ty it? Ty Unwin yesterday, Rich, and he was saying that he's sort of come to realise that all of the stuff that he's been buying over the last, you know, five ten years, is actually a sort of just heading back thirty. You know, it's sort of there. there there's there's yeah. this sort of notion that it's all it's all regressive. Which I think, you know, there's some cred- credibility to that argument. What do you think?
4: I think so. And uh, hallelujah. <laughs> Let's throw a party.
0: It's fine.
3: I mean, not to the exclusion of anything else.
4: <laughs> no, no yeah. well, I don't mind going back, but the point is it's not to the exclusion of anything else. There's plenty of development, particularly in the Eurorack world, of modules the likes of which we've never seen anything like
1: before.
0: That's right. So, true.
1: Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm that's cool scary. with all but- that that's true. It's the, yeah. it's these kind of synthesizers that are just like a, a machine, and you can't really do anything else with it other than it kind of emulates a, an old analog synthesizer. But maybe it doesn't do it quite as well. Or, well, I, or I tell maybe you what, it I, does it better, I, but so, you know, so what? Yeah. But the but,
3: thing but, is, you've got. To I, think I, I
1: it want. I like. Right? I like. I mean, if oh. we're going to go back in time, I want things like the 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 Oscar because the Oscar had like digital waveforms, or the ESQ one where you've got digital waveforms and analog. I, i'm sure I, I they might be coming up, are, and, i wouldn't
0: be surprised yeah, I, Ro- robbie i mean better. but it's about the interface really isn't it that's the thing that people are digging perhaps more than just the sound it's it, analog, analog, analog so, seems so. to be a paradigm for interface to to my mind
3: <laughs> i mean let's be honest it, it, would you know in this day and age if you're not if you're not a real if you've got to make music all the time and i know dave has got a great he's got an amazing collection of vintage gear and he's got great contacts to get it fixed. But it is a, it's, like a, it's like a life's work, keeping it all going. And, you know, it's, it's yep. a godsend that you can get all these great instruments that, you know, are kind of based on old instruments, but, you know, not quite. But they've got all the reliability of new things. They've got a warranty. You know, you can rely on them to turn them on every day for however long the next 10, 15, 20 years or whatever till they become classics themselves. You know, I so, think that's only a good thing. Sure. I mean, nobody's complaining that Fender is still making guitars, are they? Or
0: whatever. No, that's a fair point.
3: And still making an SG yeah, or whatever. Okay. So it's, you know, yeah. it's just, it's, yeah. like, it's, it's like Rich said, it's not to the exclusion of all the other stuff that's happening, albeit that most of it seems to be happening in Euro rack or software. It's such a, such
2: a good point, Robbie, because, yeah. I mean, here's a little secret. So when I did that Korg Odyssey versus the Mark III Odyssey... I pulled yeah. the Mark I Odyssey out first of all, to do an AB, and the AR section had broken on that. I pulled the Mark II out, and one of the oscillators had busted on that, and eventually I ended up with the Mark II, obviously because it looked it had the orange and white livery. And it's similar. We've got two OB8s, one of which works fine, and the other one, you turn it on. You tune it, and when you tune it, it loses a voice. So once it's tuned, you have to turn it off and turn it on again in order to get all eight voices.
0: Oh, wow. And the
2: beauty with the Korg Odyssey is that I turned it on and it worked. And that's kind of what I'm hoping from something like the OB6. is like I turn it on, I work, I finish my work, I go home and have a beer. Yeah. I don't what? go, oh, God, it's not working. I better call Kent. Oh, can we get that one up to you? How many more of mine have you got up there that I need to bring home? Yeah. Are they in the way- Are they in the toilet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want. I don't <laughs> like want them in the big, toilet. Big I, on. I just, I just like that. Just
0: like to bring the chat room in quickly because uh, there's a chap in the chat room called uh, Panavatkaczek. I'm sorry if my pronunciation. Please, guys, bring Eurorack to India. I'm searching all over my country, but no supplies at all. So there's an opening there for somebody who would like to think about. Uh, Importing Eurorack into India. There we go. Just my public service uh, um, uh, part done. But, uh, yes, I want to say thank you to the chat room. Very fulsome, as I like to say.
2: Um, Can I just say one thing? Yes, please do. Eurorack. So if we're getting on to Eurorack, the same – I wish I could say the name – but the same person who said analogue is not cool had obviously – had gone and invested in a load of Eurorack stuff – and and this was quite a while ago and he said i'm reaching the same point with euro rack that i reached with my constantly looping eight bars on my computer
3: yeah
2: in that yeah. i am not finishing what i need to finish and at some point i can see myself going completely back in the box because i can get deep in terms of composition and then use the other stuff to yeah. kind of add the spice and I thought, ah,
0: there's an interesting thought. There is. I, I would like to say quickly one thing. Uh, I've come out. I'm starting to get the inkling of an idea. I've just uh, got the Arturia BeatStep Pro because um, I need something for, for for something that's coming up to be able to control everything. And I came up with this idea, yes, because I'm not using it for necessarily sequencing everything. I'm using part of it to MIDI control a uh, uh, Behringer X-Air so I can actually turn it down and switch effects on and stuff. But then I I had this idea that you could actually connect up the CV's output and put them into various inputs on a Eurorack. And then when you change patches or step through a sequence that parameter becomes fixed to that particular voltage. So it effectively is partial patch recall, obviously, without the storage. So you use the control voltage to actually ro- um, set up, like, I don't know, an LFO speed or the depth of something or a filter um, opening or whatever so that you've got the starting point. So if you're careful, you could actually use it to create limited patch change and sound changes by using CV and then stepping through... the I haven't quite fully formed it, but I just started to look at it the other day because I was thinking, actually, I'll be changing programs on, say, the Sub-37 and some effects, and then I want, you know, the speed of the LFO to match up to something like this, so I can just go, that's a CV. And I just thought, hmm. So I think there might be some mileage in there somewhere, but that's really got nothing to do with anything. But I don't... So are, do you... You
1: gonna, are you going to invade CV gate morphing then? No. Or CV morphing? I doubt it. Where you go from voltage to voltage?
0: Uh, well, I suppose it's possible. That, that, I don't know if that's that possible. Could be interesting. It could be. Sorry, uh, um, Robbie, you were, you sounded like yeah. You... I was
3: going to say I, I read something a, uh, a few months ago about this guy. I forgot. He's very famous. I can't, I can't remember at the moment. A film scorer who who's recently done two or three film scores, mostly on modular Euro rack, which I just thought was amazing because, and he was not—he was not just committing everything. He was like old school, taking photographs of patches and all this stuff and. So I mean, it's just a minefield when you do film scoring about having to go back and recall, you know, cues and all this stuff. So I just thought it was unbelievable somebody would go to those lengths. But I agree, I agree with what Dave's saying. I mean, when you look at like most people who like put demos online of their most exotic Euro patch, it's just like, it's just like a kind of fridge malfunctioning kind of thing, <laughs> with 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 you know mutable instruments clouds over the top of it, and it all sounds great. But you wonder how many people actually use the Eurorack in, in real music. And I think, that, I think the secret is being able to actually harness it into real music and not spend your whole day wasted. You know, it's, it's finding a really kind of concise way of using it. And I, and I don't think there's a lot of people yet who kind of do that.
0: No, well, it, every, every, every session is a journey, isn't it? It's, uh, it's an yeah. infinite number of things. But, yes, I agree. Um, at this point, I think it's probably uh, time to introduce a word from our sponsors. Obviously, Isotope uh, being 15. Uh, um, I have a message. Let me see if I can get the ad to play, because it's always a challenge. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, there we go. Uh, there will be a competition uh, winner and announcement afterwards. Here we go.
5: Produce rich, full, professional sounding tracks with the critically acclaimed mastering tools in Ozone and Ozone Advanced. Now, the latest isotope innovations in Ozone 7 bring modern and vintage processing to the forefront of the music production experience. Updated for Ozone 7, Ozone's highly regarded Maximizer features a brand new frequency specific IRC4 algorithm that delivers transparent mixes with less pumping and distortion. Use it to smooth out an unwieldy mix or tame the kick drum peaks without affecting the vocals. The dynamic EQ, now in both the advanced and standard versions of Ozone, lives and breathes with your audio, giving you more effective control over your sound without coloring your entire mix. Harness the precision of an equalizer and the musical ballistics of a compressor in one integrated processor.
0: Anyway, I want to say thank you very much to Isotope for sponsoring the show. If you want to check out Isotope, which is pretty much the de facto mastering to either bus or channels or the final mix, uh, please go to isotope.com forward slash ozone. Uh, Incidentally, uh, as part of their 15 years... um, um, celebrations they've released this uh, free plugin which is free until march the 10th which is d delay which is a dual delay with a kind of uh, dynamics threshold that then takes transients to the top delay and everything below the threshold to the bottom delay and it's a really interesting notion it's also got a granular de- delay in there as well so you can get quite a lot of cool sounds and that's free normally 50 bucks and the the thing that's quite cool about that is they uh, i met them at nam and they were telling me a little bit about how it came about and they just had a kind of like a -a hackaday type thing where they basically decided to uh, get everybody together and say, who wants to do what? Let's come up with some ideas. And that was the one that floated to the top. And then the person with the idea got access to the engineering team and the graphics and stuff. And they just made it, you know, in, in, in a very short period of time and turned it into a product. And I just think what a cool notion. So, uh, Anyway, that was the isotope slot. And, of course, uh, we do have competition winner to announce from last week. Last week, we asked you to tweet the hashtag WeAre15 to celebrate the birthday and the hashtag Ozone7 to at SonicState and at Isotope Inc. And we have a winner. The winner is a chap called Mike Heigerman on Twitter, uh, at Mike Heigerman. um. You'll know who you are. I can't spell it. It's got far too many uh, complicated letters in it. But if you you have won a copy of Ozone 7, so let us know and the Isotope Ferry will uh, get in touch. He tweeted, uh, thanks for the weekly a- entertainment. Keep up the good work. It was a very popular show last week and uh, so much so we've got an enormous number of people in the chat room, which is awesome. And, of course, we've got another competition this week. I mean, I can't give you a competition for D-Delay because it's free. So go and get that anyway. But if you want to win um, a copy of Ozone 7 this week... Uh, Tweet the hashtag FreeDDLY, which is Free D Delay, and the hashtag Ozone7 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. So if you want, just just to repeat that for maybe our audio listeners, the hashtag FreeDDLY and the hashtag Ozone7 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. And you will be entered uh, with a chance to win a full copy of Ozone7. Nick, yeah,
3: can I just say, I just it's also worth mentioning, they've just rebooted uh, the vinyl plugin yes. they had for years. 64-bit and it's got like a new tape stop bit in it. I love love that
0: plugin. Excellent. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, there's lots and lots of stuff for, for celebrating. So uh, I want to say thank you to them for their sponsorship, of course. Again, um, I, as we were talking a little bit about the the concept of new instruments, how about this? This is the El Cajon which is a cajon, but it's also got DSP inside it and extra voicing with a couple of pads, which is actually a really simple but quite a cool idea. Runs on six AA batteries, got a little speaker in it. Doesn't come with the uh, fantastically attractive player, of course, or the talent yeah. enabled to uh, to deal with it. But it has quite a lot of sounds. This is, uh, in fact, uh, Heidi Hubert who was demonstrating at Nam. We did actually try and film something, but there was a, a problem with the demonstration. Unfortunately, we couldn't bring that to you. So, this, is by way of uh, of, a, of a kind of reboot of that. So it's about three hundred quid. It weighs six pounds. Seems like a really cool idea. I mean, I know there's probably a lot of buskers who use Cajon uh, and uh, beats setting up a drum kit. eh, Dave.
2: No, you're all right, thanks.
0: <laughs> Not the innovation you were looking for then in new new instruments.
2: I did I did watch the video. God, that's 3 minutes of my life I never get back. No,
0: um I bet you're sitting on one now, aren't you?
2: Yeah. <coughs> um no, i have not. It
0: doesn't. Okay, well, that's fair. Enough. It doesn't mean anything to you. Okay, uh, I'm going to go to uh, Robbie then. Uh, I mean, they do this from time to time. Don't they roll on. I mean, remember the, when the V accordion came out? Everybody just started sort of spat their tea out. But actually, it's a really successful instrument for them.
3: Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I did. I did a. I did a uh, we put, Howard and I. Well, Howard did a thing for that the Jupiter eighty once. one of these a special show, and they had. They had like one person represented from every sector of Roland and they had this somebody showing their pipe organ and they had someone showing their grand piano and someone showing the harpsichord and they had someone showing the accordion. And I was absolutely flabbergasted about this this guy who did the accordion, who was like a world champion and what he was able to achieve. So after all the sniggering about, you know, V accordions, like you say, it is pretty impressive in the right hands. But mm, I'm not sure. I've never been a big fan of cajons, really. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I'm not sure whether it's, it's just to me, it's, it's just one of those funny kind of Roland sort of, sort of left field product launches. Um, is it got MIDI?
0: Uh, that's a very good question. I don't know. That would be brilliant if it did, or, or at least more brilliant. Um, so I don't, I don't know I'll Have to try and find that out. Actually. I'm not quite sure about that.
3: Not I know. Sure. I, 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 as I say, I, I don't think we'll be getting one in here to, to play. <laughs> Make know, noise.
0: Be... maybe a sort of uh, a feature seat <laughs> yeah
3: in the hands of the wrong person it always sounds someone throwing you know throwing a bucket of spanners down the stairs mm. you
0: know what I mean it, it has to be someone who's good at it well yeah. that's fair enough <laughs> Rich um, yeah I, I know I'm, you, there's a, certainly in, in, in the warmer cl- areas of America there are quite a lot of uh, busking bands <laughs> who use cajon you know I mean it's a very simple set that and a little symbol or that sort of thing I don't know whether this has, you don't necessarily hear it on a lot of uh, contemporary music. I mean, unless it's maybe a kind of folky kind of uh, acoustic type number.
4: It's becoming very popular over the last few years. We have one. My son, James, plays the hell out of it. I love the cajon. I've seen other guys also play the hell. I have a friend named Todd who gigs with my friend Jim in New York City and some gigs he's playing like a hi-hat a cajon and a couple of shaky things. Um, it's incredibly versatile. It's a really cool instrument in the hands of people who know how to evoke numerous different kinds of tones. And for that person, I imagine this instrument would be really cool. Yeah. And I want to hear it.
0: Right. I okay. think that's fair enough. Mark, did I see you actually manhandling something looking rather like a cajon into shot there? <laughs> <laughs> ah. Yeah, you did. Are you? Is that something this you use regularly? Did you?
1: And you see, it's got a great big hole in the side. Yeah, yeah. But you get one, one of those. This uh, is recommendation. He said, he's been saying buy a mini rig for ages, and this guy on Glastonbury High Street was selling cajons, which have a hole in the side that you can put your mini rig in like this. And then, and then I've got it absolutely sorted. For for me, this is perfect because I've got this app on my iPhone called Brazilian Drum Machine. So I just do this, <laughs> and you don't actually have to play it. So, so Roland have kind of invented the opposite, haven't they? They've got a cajon with a speaker in it that enhances the player. I've got, I can just sit on there and bash it occasionally and make it look like I'm doing something really impressive.
0: What do you do <laughs> while you're sat on it? Are you playing the guitar along with it? Is that your kind of... Uh...
1: Well, it actually makes the, the mini rig sound a bit better, So, and it's got a slot inside it for a mini mi, mini rig sub. So, <laughs> Not so very my portable intention device, is hey. to... I've got one of those lines... Not I've very got portable. Got I've got one of those line six... Um, Sonic ports, if I plug the Line 6 Sonic port in and plug the guitar into it, the guitar sounds absolutely awesome.
0: Oh, that's an interesting idea. My intention idea. is
1: to take it up the Glastonbury High Street, play the guitar through it, and then find somebody that knows how to play it to sit on it and to play along with me. So I'm going to go busking and somebody else is going to play this while I play the guitar.
0: I'm worried that if you but- hit, hit that a lot, the mini rig will fall out.
1: Yeah, well, hasn't so far actually. It's quite good, but you know what? I think Roland have been yeah. doing some have been making some inroads into some really good busking equipment because some of the little amps they've got.
0: No, that's very true. Yeah, they've
1: got they've got these things that look like miniature wedges, but it's got like an interface where you can plug a microphone and a guitar in it. It's got like that lovely classic kind of Roland chorus on it and a bit of reverb and i think they run off like a handful of aa batteries and they're so loud and clear and they and they sound so good i'm like i mean i've got i've got a pa and we did glastonbury fringe festival last year and i brought my pa down to the market square and sort of let people play through it and there was this one guy with one of those little roland things which was Clearer and louder than my PA. Wow! <laughs> what? That's very true. You know, they just improved the technology so much, and they've and they're really aiming it in the at the right place for I, busking. I, I think. think
0: that's probably where where we missed it. The busking kind of notion. What's that you've got there, Dave?
2: Spoons. <laughs> yeah, MIDI spoons. But it only works with a Thunderbolt cable. I mean, Thunderbolt cable is a bit up the uh,
3: swanny at the minute. But
2: yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, love the I love it. I love the that Mark, Mark's got a mini rig speaker, and to make it sound better, he puts it into a full size cabinet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but also double yeah, Okay, it. it's got a piece of rope round it. Also as well, doubles so I as can carry a seat. It yeah so it doubles Surely. as a
1: seat and it doubles as a bag so if i go to a festival i can put my beer inside here as well
0: actually that's a good point if you had a little door on it you could <laughs> fill it full of all the things you might need so the whole thing is like, a like little... one of
1: those mini fridges yeah yeah Kit excellent and things. that's
0: awesome and now, little
1: tiny that is shorts and stuff that is
0: a great point about the busking thing actually so uh, yeah fair enough and now for something completely different this is kind of more in your software thing this is a, an expansion Hi, pack from
2: fluttery With a quick talk through of the new um, add-on to the Flutter EP. Now this is the Flutter EP wavetable. This is a slightly different approach, um, which I've been working on for a while and there are going to be other versions of this coming soon as well, but this for now is uh, an extra bonus that goes with the Flutter EP. What we've done this time if is I fast created more... Sounds. And I recently got it fixed. Oops. Reverb convolutions. represent the flat notes. I won't
0: play the whole so thing, but actually, this is part. There's an expansion for the Flutter EP, which uh, it sounds like it's a sort of granular kind of piano-based contact instrument. You do need a full version of Contact for it, but I, I was talking to. Uh, I think Ty replied to again to the uh, show notes, saying that he really rates the Flutter EP and all the stuff that uh, the chap called Pendle is he called Pendle Pendle does. And uh, so I just thought I'd throw it out there, and I know. um Robbie, you work a lot in the box. Is this something that you're kind of uh, that that you that you've come across?
3: Oh, I'm going to I'm going to download it after the show. I haven't got enough bandwidth to do both. So I, I was sold on it straight away. It's right on my street. But it also reminded me of something I was actually excited about. From Nam, was the announcement that BT has got a software um, instrument thing coming out with Spitfire Audio. Which is based on uh, rhythmic convolutions.
0: Oh, so okay. After all that
3: talk about convolutions and rhythm, rhythm, he's actually developing a proper tool with them. And there's a kind of a preview online. I've managed to find. I've forgotten where it is, but that's coming out in the summer. I
0: I tell you what, um, Spitfire Audio had one of the biggest stands I've seen, you know, when you consider it basically, it was a huge stand, it was an entire corner with a massive sweeping white wall with Spitfire, I mean it's a really big deal, so obviously they're making a big push into that whole thing, but it does sound kind of interesting, I know Rich you're quite uh, taken by these kind of almost boutique contact instruments as well. And this thing's only, it's like 35 quid, so I don't know why, it's maybe 50 bucks or something like that. So it's perhaps a bit more than some of the really kind of low-cost ones. But uh, is it something you've come across?
4: No, it's not. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to watch the video before the show. But um, yes, I do like what can be done in contact these days and uh, look forward to checking it out.
0: You will need 5.51 uh, up. And uh, the sample yeah. sets are made of uh and t Move Voyager, Nord Modular, Nord Wave, Salisbury, At, at Megatron, which is, I think, a Eurot module, Waldorf, Wave XT, DSi Pro 2, and yeah. Process 3. A pair of warm, audio-tone beast preamps. I know, uh, Dave, um, you're the... Uh, I don't know how much contact stuff you use, whether or not you kind of enter that world or whether you're more of a Spectrosonics kind of dude.
2: Spectrosonics, man. Uh Actually, i got to say, I did really enjoy that interview you did with Eric. Oh, thank you. And I've, I think I'm a very low-rent version of Eric Persing, like a British by default, just very low-rent. But the idea of musicality being everything. Um, anyway, uh, no, I haven't got this. Yes, I probably would get it for the prize if I use the full version of Contact. But I find that there's a, I, I use a few instruments on the player. There's some great pianos and stuff that I use. Uh, but I don't have the kind of full the full version. Yeah, I
0: think the, uh, there's a barrier to entry for these kind of smaller developers because to have it compiled into a player version is a service, I think, that Native Instruments offer. So it becomes, you know, you have to buy into it and license it and stuff. So that's why you see a lot of these l- l- people like the sort of Hollow Sun stuff and uh, the, uh, some of the other things that we've looked at. Because they they don't work in the player because it's a it's a different kind uh, okay. of uh, um, yeah, process. Ma- that is annoying.
3: It's annoying. I've shame. got a lot. I've got a lot of contact libraries, and and then I I hate the fact you have to go and use the old library menu with the tiny writing to find certain libraries and other ones you can just find in the you know the main list. I I, I always assumed it was some sort of licensing thing for costing. I think now I might can, be right.
0: Uh, I, I think I might be right on that, but I think it's a, yeah it's a different. Uh,
2: thing so yeah yeah that's the only reason
0: well that's fair enough but uh, I guess if you have got contact it's probably well worth looking at I don't know what you thought that matters uh, it's quite I mean I like that there's some really nice kind of uh, massive convolution reverb in there and, and that whole granular stuff looked really interesting
1: I'll tell you what I thought of it I bought it oh cool Great. already got it so I just looked at that I watched the video for about two minutes and just went wow I want that um it just, it, uh, obviously, you can do all of that stuff in contact, but the way it's laid out and the way it's set up and the way it's been put together, brilliant. It looks really cool, and I, I can't wait to start playing with it.
0: Oh, ah, well, that's really good news. And I think, it's, actually, it's, co- coming back to your point about um, pushing the boundaries a little bit, what's really interesting about this, I mean, it's not a new synthesis technology, a new synthesis method, but it's a really elegant and simple front-end to doing that kind of stuff and you can see what's going yeah. on and the fact that you know the waveforms are the fade waveforms for the either end of the little grain and, and just sort of like uh, i get that completely and it's almost down to another way of thinking about the same thing in the same way that you know we're all still waiting for that to happen with fm and certain other kinds of synthesis which are quite impenetrable uh, perhaps modular even to, to, to a degree it's about innovation in access to those kind of those techniques that makes them come much more to the front. So I think this is, this is a, yeah. a great example of
2: that. Musicality. I liked his demo as well. Yes. Like in you your do face, do it, it's you. amazing. Really? Buy this, buy this. It's amazing. He's just like, really calm. Yeah. Let me talk you through this and this does this and this does this. Yeah. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. Very British.
0: Thumbs up for that. Okay, well that's good. Uh, you can get that. You need to go to uh, just look for Sound Dust uh, or Flutter EP, and it should show up uh, pretty top in the in the rankings, and you'll be able to see it. Ah, this is uh, this, and uh, let's get onto this one because I'm really I'm digging this completely. I don't know whether I think actually YouTube, even YouTube's going to uh, um, copyright algorithm's going to have difficulty with this because it's so ambient that I think it might. So this is. Um, I'll just play a little bit of this. This is uh, some music. I guess because it develops so slowly, (laughs) it's probably not going to be able to play much of it to get you an idea of the theme. But well, this is uh, a clip from the uh, soundtrack for The Revenant uh, by Ryuchi Sakamoto, Alvin Oto, and a chap called uh, uh, Bryce Desner. And it was a part of an article uh, came, came uh, an article that was on uh, Create Digital Music, uh, which was by Peter Kern, just about the, the soundtrack release. And I listened to it, and it just really, really blew me away. I just think it's absolutely fantastic. And one of the reasons I do think it's fantastic is, A, because it's Rishi Sakamoto. I've got a real soft spot for love, his kind of the way that he does things. But also the fact that it's, it's so orchestral, yet it's got electronics in there which are very subtle. But the sounds of the strings are really unusual and really kind of weird. And because of the way that The Revenant was made, which is very low on dialogue, the music plays a very strong part. I haven't seen it, but I, I'm imagining it must do. It takes a really strong part in the whole part of the film. And, you know, it's nominated for, I don't know, what is it, 12 Oscars? And three. it got three Golden Globes. And I just thought, ooh, that's really lovely. And I know, Rich, you've worked on a number of sound uh, soundtracks and presumably with orchestras and strings and what have you. Does this strike you as something kind of unusual in the in the string world? Because it's got that Sakamoto low cellos, but it's also got these really weird and unusual kind of... Like, there are probably terms for it, you know, how you play a violin to get that really raspy sound, but he's he's really, really strong on the, the, the kind of making all those people play in a very specific way, it sounds like.
4: Well, what I just heard sounded great. I, I haven't heard anything else, though, so not really qualified to evaluate the string sound, but...
0: I could thoroughly recommend it it's available on Milan cool. Records. Uh they do yeah, a I've lot got... of, they do a lot of stuff. I know um Robbie I know you're you know you're a connoisseur yeah. of soundtracks as well. I mean and play some yourself.
3: Love. Yeah, I've I've seen it and i and it's it's a brilliant and um, the 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 soundtracks amazing. I mean you're right. It's kind of there's kind of a a kind of renewed interest in kind of strings in a very different way, you know everyone's kind of honed in on people like Oliver Arnold and Nils Fram and people like that who treat the orchestra a little bit differently and try and create all these different slightly odd treatments of the way you use strings. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I love this. I, I'm absolutely in love with this. It's, you know, right on my street. But I, the tragedy is, and the, the travesty is, is that he can't be nominated for an Oscar for it because there's some loophole because it's been put together by... He added stuff to somebody else's work, so he's not eligible to be oh. up for a uh, Oscar for a composer. It doesn't fit into the to the criteria for a film score.
0: Oh, that is tragic. That is really <laughs> yeah. tragic.
3: There's the whole thing online about it, how it's, you know, it's just another example of how antiquated a lot of these kind of, you know, the way things are looked at, particularly in like film scoring is. So yeah.
0: Damn. That is annoying actually, because I mean yeah. I don't know if Sakamoto has been um He's done a number of uh, soundtracks. I know, right? Yeah. Uh, Dave, are you, are you a fan of Sakamoto's work? I mean, I, I just, I was first exposed to him when he worked with Japan and he did that, uh, the B-side of, um, I think it was Ghost, wasn't it? Bamboo Music or Bamboo Houses. Or maybe it was houses. Bamboo Music and yeah. Bamboo Houses, which is just the, uh, and it was just like, wow, that is awesome.
2: Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. Love this. Uh, I couldn't get some of the uh, stuff that you sent through to play, so I had to kind of find it via... Oh, it was sending me to Spotify, and I don't do Spotify. Uh, So I found it on SoundCloud, and yeah, I had it kind of going on most of the morning while I was working away. Beautiful, really beautiful.
0: It's interesting what Robbie was saying about them. they're finding people who are treating orchestras in a different way, and I can only assume that's because basically anyone who does a lot of orchestral stuff and has a sound gets made into some kind of contact string library. So you get all those articulations and those kind of now sounds and because you can't get them anywhere else, you know, because it's Sakamoto and Sakamoto presumably hasn't and probably will never will, that's why it will because it must be phenomenally expensive to record this kind of stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that when I have done some uh, sound design stuff for movies, they've all the brief has generally been very similar in that uh you have to try and confuse the I said it before, you have to try and confuse the listener whether it's organic or synthetic or whatnot. And actually mucking around with uh orchestral stuff, particularly in a really be- with a beautiful EQ, you know, where you've got really nice resonance and cue, where it's musical, where it's not, you know, self-oscillating or anything, you can get these absolutely beautiful sweeps that if you pick out the right harmonics, they become almost as much of the part of the composition. Or the playing as the tweaking you're doing. You can do some amazing stuff.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Rich, I just spotted in the chat room that you met Sakamoto.
4: Yes, that's true. A couple of
0: times actually, yeah. I, I can confess I did too, actually. What was you go first?
4: <laughs> oh, he was just a very nice man. He was working on a project at the when I first met him at Skyline Studios. Friends of mine were uh, engineering and uh I was invited in to say hello and uh, listen a little bit. And then a year or two later, I was also a fly on the wall at a Yellow Magic Orchestra session uh, at the same studios um, where all three of them were there working. It was, it was hilarious. It was actually, you could do a comedy routine on what it was like because you walk in to a dead silent control room and Harry Hosono was standing in front of a keyboard and he'll play, he'll play one note, you know, Everybody kind of goes like this and then he'll tweak something and then he'll play one. And I mean, and this went on for a long time. It was, it was hard for me not to burst out laughing at times because the whole scene was so bizarre, but they were all extremely nice. And they he did end up in a really nice place with the sound that he was going for. And uh, it was a great privilege for me to see them together in the same room. And uh, I admire Quite a bit of what I've heard that they've done and uh, even some of the original, even some of the um, individual projects, uh, particularly Sakamoto and uh, the drummer, who I think is named Takahashi. Right. Um, uh, I'm not as familiar with Harry Hasano's solo work, but um, it was really, for me, a great privilege to get to see that.
0: Nice. Nice one. Thank you very much. Mark, what do you make of this? It's got a lovely kind of vibe to it, hasn't it? It's really atmospheric. And I, I, I'm guessing a lot of the ambience in there is not the hall they recorded it in, but that, some sort of lovely uh, space.
1: It's got that kind of um, washy, sort of Lexicon 480 sort of feel to it, I think. That Maybe so, right. yeah. Um, I like all this sort of stuff. I always like music like this. Um, uh, what else is there to say? I mean... Uh, just it's yeah it's sort of one of my favorite kinds of music so ah
0: well then i suggest you get the album um uh, just going back to the sakamoto thing i i met him once uh We went to, when we were in New York, and it was the time when we'd been flown over. We'd just done Tom's Diner, and we'd been flown over to work with Suzanne, and she had a track. You know, she said, oh, well, look, do you fancy kind of collaborating on this and having a remix where we're involved? So we went, okay, we went to her apartment, and we were working there sort of on and off and staying staying a couple of blocks away in a hotel. And then um, all this stuff is good, because we were, you know, at the time, quite... Quite sought after, just purely because we'd had such a hit with this remix, or well, she'd had a hit. So we were getting, con- you know, oh, so and so wants to come by. So and, and I remember Sakamoto. I may have told this story before, but uh, we were there at Suzanne's place, and we get a phone call saying Sakamoto wants to meet you guys. Um, do you want to go out for, for for dinner? He really wants to talk to you about music. And I was just thinking, I was like twenty. And this guy was, you know, is speaks five languages, is fully versed in music theory and music production, and I was absolutely terrified. I so said, "There's no <laughs> way I'm going out with him. I'll just be, I'll be a gibbering wreck. I won't be uncomfortable <laughs> at all." So my my partner. Said, "Well, I'll go then," which is fair, and you know, fair play to him because I, I would have said no as well. But, uh, but th- nowadays, of course, I jump at it. But so he went out, and th- and they went, and uh, and it was all right. And then suddenly there was a ring at the door because Suzanne said, "On no, on uh, absolutely no way, bring them back here. Please don't bring them back here because I'm not." You know, she was just in hanging out kind of mode, and uh, and the doorbell went, and they turned up, and they're like at the door. There's Mister Sakamoto uh and his manager i don't remember what his name was he was very very la he had like a kind of like l- zebra print shiny metallic kind of uh um st- a jacket on and big was just big and big and everything and it's like hey and, and and it was just walking into this environment of oh my god what are you doing here and then uh, she came up and he, he gave us some gifts and it was really, he was really just so polite and, so, and I just didn't know what to say to him. He gave us he gave me a CD of his work, it was Sheltering Sky, I think it was around that time with the Deborah Winger film. And he gave me this beautiful um, CD presentation box with sort of rice in it and all made out of paper and stuff. And then we stood there, stood around for a little bit and um, and then he left and it was just... So embarrassing for everybody involved, and that's the only that and that's my story. There's there's nothing else to it. And (laughs) uh, Suzanne was really cross. And uh, Neil, my partner, said, "I'm really sorry. I didn't know what to do. You you have no idea what that was like. It was a nightmare. I was sitting around at the table, and it was you know it was just really because I know nothing about music. I'm just a DJ with a few ideas, and it was it was just all round a bit of a disaster. So uh, yeah, but." Lovely fellow, and uh, very yeah. I'd, I'd like to meet him again in other circumstances. Yeah, I doubt if he'd. I doubt Maybe if he'll he'd remember, remember you. Yeah, I doubt it very much. I mean, I, I, he might remember the situation because it was so excruciating. <laughs> but he—he uh, he probably won't remember me because I look very different, as uh, I'm sure you would appreciate. Um that was probably nearly 30 years or more ago. So, anyway, that's my uh, Sakamoto story. <laughs> and we did actually end up doing a remix for him. We did a remix of, and I'm probably told this story as well, of "We Love You," which is a Stones track. And he sent us—I remember because he wanted us to remix it, and it was—it came on. Forty-eight tracks. We had to get it transferred because it was, and it was on backing vocals. The people singing it were Robert Wyatt and Brian Wilson. And one of the main reasons that we oh. did it a was because I think Ryuchi Sakamoto was fantastic, and b because my partner Neil was really into the Beach Boys, and he just thought I've got. But unfortunately for us, Ritchie, uh Brian um, Brian Wilson was not at his best at that time. The vocals were really shaky and quite sort of thin and and unconfident. And mm-hmm. Robert Wyatt, as you know, if you've heard of his voice, it's also quite whiny and thin. Brilliant songwriter, fantastic player, every... but those two together, we we were like, oh, let's hear it then. And we turned, we're expecting this kind of Beach Boy esque kind of. And it was just not that at all. It was this really thin, warbly, whiny kind of sound. And uh, that's um, so. But I think we remixed it anyway. But I doubt if you'll be able to find it anywhere because I don't know if it was uh, ever um, totally approved of by anybody involved. (laughs) (laughs) I think I still got the multi-track somewhere. Anyway, um, yes. Have you met him, Dave
2: Sakamoto? Yeah. No. Ah. Okay. No, he popped round once, but I was out. Ah yeah, he was probably I'd imagine he probably wanted to <laughs> He wanted to play on I can't remember what synth it was. <laughs> I think it was that called cool micropreset.
3: Ah yeah, yeah. Heard about
2: it, but he had never seen one. You no, know? none of that's true. Oh
3: the CSO one.
2: C- <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. With the breath no, he couldn't have that. that. Jimmy Somerville had that at the time.
0: <laughs> But I mean, in Japan, Sakamoto is a huge. I mean, he's massive star, absolutely huge. He's one of those kind of you know iconic musicians, um, uh, which I didn't realise at the time. I mean, well, he is everywhere, but it's very much so. In Japan, of course, I suppose one would assume he would be. I mean, with a career spanning—I don't know how long he's been around. I mean, he didn't. Did he? He played. He, he collaborated on since with Japan, but he must have been doing lots of stuff before. He was really big into percussion, percussive stuff. I seem to remember right at the beginning, but uh, wasn't
1: I, he in Yellow Magic Orchestra?
0: Yes, I oh, know. Yes, he was. When were when when were Yellow Magic Orchestra um, operating?
1: Quite I early on, I think. I Eighty-one, eighty-two, maybe. Maybe so.
0: Yeah. Anyway, um, my my anecdote seems to have muted everybody.
2: Uh, <laughs> so. I, think I so, discovered him through that "Merry Christmas, Mister Lawrence." I think yes. that's kind of where I first came across him. Well, he, he and then uh, he did stuff with Dolby, didn't he? As well, and oh, did I he? I didn't know during that. that period. He was really prolific. I kind of got yeah. He
0: was yeah fascinating. He was a bit of a uh, fast show. It was he wrote the theme tune, starred in it, and everything, didn't he? In uh, "In Merry Christmas, Mister Lawrence," he was kind of one of the leading. It was Bowie. He was with Bowie with that in that, wasn't he? Well, Bowie yes. was acting, wasn't he? Yeah, oh, Sakamoto. It wasn't
2: Sakamoto acting. Uh, yeah, Sakamoto. Yeah, yeah, of I think Bowie yeah, yeah. played
0: Bowie played the kind of the prisoner, and Sakamoto played the camp commandant, yeah. if I recall correctly.
1: Why am I wow, According to so, hold on. According to Wikipedia, uh, they started in 1976.
0: Wow. Okay. Sorry, Rich. You were just about to come in there. I, Mark you just were just... Oh, I was was the say. same. Are you <laughs> no, were going to say the same. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's all right. Um, yeah, well, anyway, so I, I thoroughly recommend that you check that out. It's on uh, Milan Records. Milan actually do loads of soundtrack stuff. If you're interested in soundtracks, that seems to be their specialism, and it's well worth checking out. You can get it on iTunes and all over the place, and it really is a bit of a treat. Seems like that might be a good time to, uh, to call it a King sunny, as it were. Um, five past five. I um, want to say thank you to everybody for joining us. I know we didn't get through all of the topics, but we
1: certainly have plenty to talk about. Um, uh, just Can I just go sideways very quickly? Go on then, because well, I never quite finished the Nam thing. Ah, okay. So uh, there's two other things I noticed, which I really like the look of. It was the Yamaha wireless MIDI, which looked really clever. And, yeah. and, I, and I think I could find a use for that. And the other thing was the Kemper profiler, the profiling amp. But something about this whole profiling idea, if you've got a software model of a synthesizer and you know what to do to make a certain sound come out the other end of it, who is going to invent the profiling synthesizer and when? I want to be able to play my old say my old jupiter 8 into this new profiling synthesizer and it will listen to it and then it will find five different ways to recreate that sound and present them to me and i'll be able to decide which was the best one because if you can model with a computer going one way you must be able to undo it and model going back the other way surely dave yeah we'll get on that
2: after. Thank so, you. After <laughs> we've done, we've got, but we've got a lot on. We've got obviously MIDI spoons there, and then we've also got Eurorack MIDI spoons there. So <laughs> after we've done that, either, but, okay, either so they're just small one... or they're very far away. Um, so yeah. After Given we've done enough that,
1: computing program power, it's got to be possible, though. Do you think it's possible? Doable with enough power? I would imagine. It's so. sampling, isn't it?
0: Well, kind no, of. No, it's not quite I the don't same want it though.
1: sampling because I want to be able to then turn all the knobs and just, and make. No, you could. I mean, in theory, theory you change.
2: could take a closed oscillator version of a sound and then an open oscillator, so a closed filter version of a sound and an open filter sound, and then it would interpolate it. And but I'd you imagine the that filter. the processing's a bit kind of, whoa.
0: Dave, I just have a question for you. Um, why have you got so many spoons in your studio?
2: Chris, <laughs> has been, Chris has been busy while I've been mucking about on the podcast. He's been busy working, haven't you, Chris? Yes, Ah, okay,
0: and I, I presumably uh, you would need a, a whole set of spoons, developing a midi spoon. That would make Spoonotron.
2: sense.
0: Spoonatron. Spoonatron. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, you've got to model them correctly, otherwise they just don't work. I mean, even even these mini spoons—that's a bit. I guess you could release a
0: stainless sound pack and a silver sound pack, and maybe a pewter one as well. If you were, oh, and wooden, if Come you were yeah. Entron pro. <laughs> Ceramic as well. Ceramic spoons. Yeah with spoons. Oh I've
1: got a I've got a lovely olive wood spoon downstairs. A big ladle. Lovely, gorgeous
0: thing. Oh you need a pair of them though, Mark. You couldn't possibly yep. sample just one.
1: Starting, I'm not sure I could say them because scary. it's pretty big.
2: <laughs> Sorry. Who played a lot? Somebody played upon a ladle, didn't they? A ladle, a ladle. aching drum,
0: wasn't it? I don't know. Anyway, this is rapidly descending into uh, a a different kind of podcast. So uh, I will say (laughs) thank you very much to everybody for joining us. It's been a real pleasure as ever. Thank you very much, Rich. Uh, I hope you are tucked up warm and cosy and uh, stocked up on all the good things you need to uh, enjoy the snow uh, without actually having to leave the house.
4: No, I'm actually going to the studio uh sometime today. Too. Ah, okay. We had to dismantle the studio uh, for the for certain uh, home improvement uh things and
0: uh now it's going back together and very nicely, I might add. Excellent. That sounds lovely. I'm I'm thinking of doing well, we had to actually just uh cover the studio because it was really stormy here we were hit by storm imaging and the, the roof started to leak so basically the whole place got covered in plastic over the weekend because it was just dripping and it was like oh god and that's with a new flat roof as well it's a nightmare anyway thank you very much and also thank you mark tinley for joining us too uh, it's been a pleasure having you aboard thanks for your insights how are you yeah thank you fixed for welcome. the rest of the week fixed are you fixed for the rest of the week Are you got many projects on musical or oh, otherwise God, just
1: that same one the same boxes and boxes and boxes of vhs tapes project which is never going to end now i think because <laughs> i've just been told we're going to send you a whole load more tapes and i've gone like oh okay well, <laughs> So how long have i been doing it now nearly a year so
0: wow uh, nice gig though there's I more mean,
1: to do lots more to do excellent
0: well thank you very much for joining us mark a pleasure to have you aboard you're and... very welcome also, Robbie, thank you for joining. You're brought, you can report back to the BT engineers, who are the telecom provider, that uh, it worked.
3: I'm just about to do a rescore of the Revenant, I think. Oh. There you go. Oh, what's that sound?
0: Go. What's that one?
3: It's oh. part of the Spitfire Audio Oliver Arnold string library.
0: Ah, there you go. Oh, that Ooh. does sound nice. So that's something you use a lot i mean it's i guess it's sort of thing is it mostly filmic stuff you'd use that for? Because it's quite languid isn't it
3: yeah it's great i've only just got it just for some stuff i'm doing but it's a clever library because it's got all these articulations that are layered together so when you play them there's all this kind of interactive stuff that all happens in kind of real time it's mm. really nice
0: that sounds very good nice. well yeah. thank you very much robbie for joining oh, us cool. and for that little demonstration. And also, Mr. Dave Spears, G4 Software, Sons OB-8.
2: No, 8-voice. 8-voice, oh I've yeah, sorry. I've got to do this, I've got to plug this, because everyone's oh, turned yes. off anyway. Streetly Tapes, Vol 3. Really oh yes, of good. course. Bit of an end of a journey. The last, well, we, done, we did three volumes. Yeah, because it's Volume 3, isn't it? God. Um, volume 3 is the last in the trilogy of the Streetly M400 Tapes, and... Um, yeah, they're really good, actually. I really like them, including a moogie whoosh. Um. Somebody actually sampled the Moog Modular onto a Mellotron so they could play it back polyphonically in the day, took it to NAM, played it, and this is a true story, Bob heard it, went over and went, what's that? And they went, it's your instrument, polyphonically. There you go. <laughs> and, they've, and there's even a Fairlight Swanny on it. I mean, it, it's kind of weird, isn't it? I suppose it was like, well, it was the first sampler. Anyway, was there you go. it was an
0: M-tron, Was it a Mellotron cheaper than a Fairlight? Yes, it no, would, would. yeah. It would have yeah, been, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah,
2: of course. I mean, I, I remember t- in about seven, probably about seventy nine, when Fairlights. I suppose, I suppose the Synclab was around, but I remember being down at kind of some rock star studio and you know smashing milk bowls against concrete, sl- and they were recording it to put it into a Mellotron to get all these kind of sound effects. Anyway, there you go. I had oh.
1: to do that. I was, um, I was chatting with a chap over the weekend who's in his 70s who was in a band in the 70s, and they used a Mellotron. And he said, and I didn't know this, but he said whenever they played a big chord on it, the whole thing used to slow down and go completely out of pitch. It's brilliant. So they brilliant. couldn't play it, couldn't play when, it polyphonically.
2: Oh. When, Wakey, when Wakeman talked about when he was doing Space Oddity with Bowie and Visconti... I think it was the Mark II, the chain. Uh, anyway, the motor, the more notes you played, the more strain it put on the motor. So yeah. it would slow it down. So he was, Wakeman was actually using the speed pitch up down in real time to keep the thing in tune, depending on how many Whoa. notes he was playing. That's proper muse, that is, isn't it? Wow. wow. That is
0: impressive. Anyway, that's it for this week. Anyway, yes. And do check out Dave's uh, Streetly Volume 3 tape, Streetly Medical. 50% tape. off. 50% off. That's right. 50% Until off. At Tuesday. The Till tuesday so you've got yeah right thank you very much everybody uh we'll see you next time thanks for listening don't forget if you want to enter the competition uh for the let me see if i can find i'm looking for my mouse uh you need to uh tweet the hashtag free ddly doesn't have to be capitals like it is there and the hashtag ozone 7 was the number 7 to at sonic state and at isotope inc to win a copy of isotopes ozone mastering plugin so once again thank everybody for joining us thanks to everybody in the chat room it's been a pleasure having you all aboard and a very fulsome one it was too that's it for this week see you next time